Phil is going to come and bring what God's put on his heart. So let's come and welcome Phil. Can you just pray for him as he's coming up because he needs it, we need it. <laughs> God, we want to thank you for this man and the word you've given him. We pray that you'll give him the, 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 the Holy Spirit just to fall on him, to bring it with power and authority, to release the word to us fully, that you won't hold back and that we'll be impacted. Our hearts changed. Open the eyes of our hearts this morning, Lord God. Amen. Okay, well, good morning. You okay? Good, excellent. Well, we've been looking at a series through Acts, and um, we're kind of drawing that to a close, and this is kind of the last talk on that. Um, and it's not, I'm not actually really going to talk from Acts, so it's kind of closing it without talking from Acts. It's kind of a bit odd, but just God has been speaking to us and doing something this year, and I've kind of been just thinking and dwelling on that and asking God quite what's going on, why are you doing, why are you doing, how's that working out, and I'm sure many of you have been touched by God over the last few weeks, and uh, we need a new name for our prayer meeting. Prayer meeting doesn't really do it because we don't do a lot of praying. It's kind of God turns up and we don't get to pray. Uh, so if you weren't there Thursday night, I'm really disappointed for you because um, God just came powerfully and uh, we just basked in the presence of God. It was just quite amazing time. Actually, God just came down on us and it's just amazing time and kind of kneels there at my side. We're kind of leaving this thing together, I thought. <laughs> he couldn't get out of his chair. He couldn't move. He was pinned to the chair and couldn't get out and do anything. And I just want to encourage you to get a hunger for what God's doing. Because God's doing this. It's not me. It's not anything that we as elders are trying to instigate and try and make happen. This is God doing something. This is God breaking in sovereignly week by week. And I know we've heard some stories this morning. It's great. I know there's more stories, as I've said this over the last few weeks, because people come and tell me them, and I want to encourage you to come and tell the people. Because it's really important we hear what God's doing. Because he is at work. And he's doing something, and it's really important. But anyway, I just, just my encouragement to, uh, to you. But I want to just look at kind of wrapping up what we've been doing in Acts, because I, I guess that as we've looked through Acts, you can start to feel a little bit inadequate. When you look at what the apostles did, how they moved in the Holy Spirit in those early days, the miracles they did, the things that we've looked at, and the different aspects of the early church which are really important for us today, how it impacted the whole world around them. And in fact, actually through them, the whole known world was evangelised. Now the whole known world is much bigger now than what it was then. And that's a huge task for the church today, to achieve that. But the one thing that really kind of struck me that I've kind of lived with over the last few weeks as we've been going through this, and I want to just talk into today, is the light of insignificance. Because in the light of all that they did in Acts, all that they did in the early church, we can feel like, well, we're insignificant in these days. We can feel like we don't really match up to that. We don't kind of meet that. And I just felt God wants to just break us out of thinking either individually or corporately together as a church that we're insignificant. Because we're not. God's got huge things for us. And I believe God wants to just break us out of that. 
You see, we can't fully enter the presence of God, fully enjoy that and fully know what that means, that encounter, that presence with God, if we don't really know who we are in God. We're very much on the edge. We're very much on the edge of getting into something if we don't really know our right and our place in God. We can enter right in to the very Holy of Holies. And that passage that Peter read earlier was really helpful. It's one of my favourite passages out of the Bible. It's the very thing for me that, as I started as a worship leader, was the very thing that caught my attention, was that as the worship team, if you like, in that day, which was the trumpeters, the Levite, the tribe of Levites, who would lead out in worship, as they led out in worship, the presence of God fell like a cloud. And that has always been the very thing that stirred my heart, even as a worship leader, and still does today, that I want to see and experience more and more of that. I'd love it there, there's this mist of the cloud, there's a kind of glory of God dwelling over us, it would be amazing. And I think we have a measure of that. I'm not saying we don't, we do have a measure of that, but I want more of that. I want to press in for more than that. And I want to enter in. So, actually, God invites us to know him more. God invites us to come closer. God invites us to get to know him in a more intimate way than we ever have done. And I believe that's kind of the days we're in as we're kind of looking ahead and looking forward to all God's got for us. Even as we're looking at that building and just uh, pressing ahead with that and we need to keep praying for that. But I, I kind of have in my heart, I do believe it's already done. And I believe God's going to make it his dwelling place. And he's going to meet us there. But what does this mean for us? Well, I believe this. God wants you to be the best version of you. That's God's heart for you, is to be the very best version of you. The thing is, he wants you to be the very person he made you to be and intended you right from the start. What was stolen and robbed away through sin and through Adam and Eve, God wants to restore and make you to be the best you can be. His best. Because it's not of ourselves, it's what God makes us to be. You'd just like to put up the first slide. Come up. But uh, so I've, I've kind of, even though I'm looking at the lie of insignificance, I really want to just say that we want to be a church here where we know who we are in Christ. That's part of what we're building here. We know who we are in Christ. We know what authority we have. We know our rightful place. We know who we are, that we're sons and daughters of the living God, that we have the authority of heaven and we have all the resources of heaven at our disposal to do the work of the kingdom, right where we are, right across the peaks and wherever God may take us beyond. But the world says, doesn't it? Very often the world will say to us, you're not smart enough, you're not successful enough, you're not skinny enough, you're not strong enough. You're just not good enough. You could perhaps fill the blank in for you. You might know what kind of that feeling. You might know the feelings that you carry where you know you're not enough. I certainly know them for me. I remember years ago I had a boss who just basically hated me. And he basically said, as far as I'm concerned, you'll never amount to anything. That's the world's assessment. It's not God's assessment. It's not how God sees us. It's the world's assessment. But the world tells us the only way we can become significant is to become enough in everything. 
And that's why people spend thousands on cosmetic surgery. That's why people spend thousands on education and other things, trying to make themselves better and be enough to match up to and conform to what this world says. But the Bible says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, line yourselves up with God. Line yourselves up with the assessment that God has over you, not with the world's assessment. The world's keen to put you down. The world's keen to make you feel this big. The world's keen to gossip about you and to pick up on your flaws and point the finger at you. And then you've got the devil who comes on the back of that and starts speaking to your own mind and makes it even worse. And God wants to break the lie of insignificance. He wants us to know our rightful place. The lie of insignificance has negative impacts on every part of our life. How we interact, our relationships, whether we're a parent, whether we're a husband or a wife, whether we're single, whether our work relationships, our partners, uh, our neighbours, our role in life, where we work, what we do, it impacts everything. That lie controls and can control our lives. can control the church we might think, even in Mather, we think, well, we're this kind of shut away little church. We meet in County Hall. Nobody really knows anything about us because we haven't got our own building yet. We can't got this big splash, this big display. You know, you, everybody's heard of Hillsongs. Everybody's heard of some of these big mega churches around the world. And we're insignificant. Not true. Not true. The world could look on us as that, but we're not true. it's not true. And we are going to have an impact right across this area, more than we've had so far. I believe. I believe there's some exciting days ahead. I'm going to have to turn this around because I'm going to end up putting my glasses on and I don't want to do that. I just can't see it. It's getting worse. I get older. Yeah, I need a larger... That's a good idea, actually, yeah. I'll get a large pad. See, the Bible says God knows us. In Psalms, David could say that God knit me together in my mother's womb. It says that even the hairs on our head are numbered. Now that's not difficult for God, and he has an easier time with some than others. Don't they, Peter? Because <laughs> some haven't quite got as much. God knows us intimately, knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows you better than the closest person to you knows you and they usually know us better than we know ourselves as well but they know they, God knows us even more than that and he wants us to have the same intimacy with him that we might know him that was Paul's prayer for us in Ephesians that we might know him we might know God that we might know what he's really like what he truly thinks about what we are who we are and the way he's made us to be We need to learn to embrace the truth. David could say some of these things even though he was in terrible situations and sometimes everything else looked opposite. Everything else said opposite. We've got armies pursuing him, wanting to kill him, and yet he knew who he was in God. 
And yet even then, when God promises such blessing, and he gets before God and says, well, who am I and what is my family that you would choose to bless us like this? But God knew him. Better than he knew himself. And we, because we know the end of the story, that through his line, Jesus would come. We know the end of the story, but David didn't know that at the time. Even though those promises, I'm sure he didn't understand. I'm sure he hadn't got a grasp on that truth of what was coming. But we must learn that we are enough and that we are significant. And it's not based on what we've done, how we look, how we perform, how good we are, how well behaved we've been this week. God's favour is not on you this morning because you've had a good week and you've managed to avoid all those little temptation things that come along and you've really got up early in the morning, you've prayed, you've read your Bible and you've uh, witnessed to somebody this week. It doesn't impress God. It doesn't impress him. He's impressed by what he's made you to be. He's impressed by what he's put in you. He's impressed by the, work, the finished work of the cross working out in your life. Not what you do. Not obeying all the rules and regulations of church, what, seems to, what we put on ourselves as church life. What we think is right. What we think we should be doing. Actually, whether... I'll tell you a little secret. I don't always read my Bible every day. I'll scare for an elder, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's it, I'll be thrown out of church now. I do pray every day, but I don't always read the Bible every single day. Because actually, it's things that just get in my head that I just keep meditating on day after day after day. I don't go for more reading more and just meditate because it's just in my mind all the time. I'm thinking about something that I've read already that, that's working its way in my life, that God's using to work in my life. So I'm not necessarily reading my Bible every single day. Hey, I see you've got permission now. Not to read your Bible every day. But it is, but our significance has to be based on who made you and what he says about you. See, everyone called by God asks this question. Moses had it. When God called Moses to lead the children out of Israel, said, I'm going to raise you up to do it. And he kind of said, you're going to stand before Pharaoh. And Moses' reply was, who am I? He hadn't got a clue who he was at that time. God showed him. God taught him who he was. And probably one of the greatest leaders recorded for us in the Bible was Moses. Gideon had the same thing. He's a shy, insignificant, thought himself, my, I'm, my tribe is the most insignificant in the whole of Israel and I'm the least of the least in that tribe. Insignificant. The good news is God chooses what the world sees as insignificant to shame the wise. God chooses that. He doesn't choose the wise. And if he didn't choose that, I wouldn't be stood before you this morning if he didn't choose the insignificant. But he does. And he chose the insignificant ones. But who am I seems to be a popular question. People go away to find themselves. Take time out of life, living life, to go away and find who they are. And it's all they had to do was come to Jesus. It's all they had to do was come to God and say, show me, who am I? Who are you made me to be? Who are you call me to be? And then to go and live in the good of that. And even that's a battle. Because sometimes we can't, 
even get our head around, well, who has God made me to be? How do I live all that out? It just seems such a huge thing sometimes when God puts things on us. And I guess that's one of, been one of my, I guess my testimony would be out of what God's doing currently is that I remember standing before you some months ago now and just saying the challenge for me is to step into what I know God's called me to do and do it with boldness and confidence because when I do, I know God comes. And that's all I've been trying to do. I confessed that before you a few months ago and that's what I've been trying to do. And because of that, not because of me, but because of God through that, is blessing the church. And I want to encourage us all to step into what it is that God's got for us to do and to step in with boldness and with courage and not hold back. Because as we do together, imagine what we could do. Imagine what could happen in this area. Imagine how many would be saved and added. How many lives would be changed and transformed if we all just stepped into that. Martin's story. I mean, we, we want Martin to come and share about what he's been doing with Alpha. And he just felt called of God to go and serve in that. And what God's done through that is amazing. We want to hear the story. Because actually, when we step into who we're meant to be, not insignificant, in the world's eyes maybe, not in God's, things change. Things change. Your life will never be the same again if you're ready and willing to choose that. But we have to break the lie. We have to deal with the lie that comes in. Anytime we look at ourselves, we can easily just buy into that lie. We can just buy, whenever we look at our own lives, we look at some of our failures, the things we cringe about, the things that kind of even now, years on, we kind of think, oh, I wish I'd never. Regrets we might have. just can make us just bite into that lie I'm insignificant that didn't work out why? because I wasn't sufficient I was insignificant for that God wants to break into that place because we've all felt it but God chose you not based on your knowledge or your gift or your qualification he chose you because you were a sinner who he loved simple as that a sinner who he paid the price for. He chose you. That was your only qualification. You were a sinner far off from God. And God chose you. By choosing you, you can become exactly who you're meant to be. He chose you because he first loved you. He chose you, Ephesians tells us, before the foundation of the world. He knew you before... You were even born. He knew you. He chose you to be in Christ, be in that relationship, that intimacy with God, to have that place with him. He chose to bless you and to show you favour and his goodness. You're chosen for favour and goodness, not for disaster, not for pain, not for difficulty. Even though life chucks that stuff at us, we're chosen for favour and blessing and to know the goodness of God and display that to others. And he chose you to reveal himself and his glory to a world that desperately needs him. And next term, we want to start looking at a bit of that, actually, of how we're going to display that glory to those out there. 
And uh, we've got a Sunday coming up when we haven't got this place. And I'm warning you now. This is your warning. We want to get on the streets and we want to do something that affects the community in Matlock. That Sunday morning, I'm really keen we get out there and we just do some healing on the streets. <laughs> Excellent, Kathy. At least I've got one person going to be with me. It's good. Got to break out. Take this joy that we've got, this love, take this freedom that we have out there and make a difference. Andy's doing it in Buxton. Got some great stories. I've shared one or two of them. I meet with Andy on a regular basis and every time I get more jealous, every story he tells me, I get more and more jealous. This is another story, an up-to-date story of what God's doing on the streets. Now, I'm not saying everybody's in their church and their church has grown. Is what I'm saying is but they're impacting the community out there with the gospel. And that's important because that's what Jesus did. Jesus wouldn't be in here on a Sunday morning necessarily with us. If he was here in physical form, he'd be out there on the streets. He'd be with the sinners. He'd be with the tax collectors. He'd be in Crown Pub having a drink with the drunkards. He'd be meeting them where they are. And while this is right, I'm not saying this is wrong, what we do, but it's also right we're out there meeting as well. So what is the lie of insignificance? John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. The antidote is, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Have you got it? Have you got life to the full? Do you feel that you're living life to the full in God? No, I don't think I am either. I'm wanting to, I'm wanting to get there, but I know I'm not right now. But he came that I might have life and have it to the full. He came that you might have life and have it to the full. In every way. That's everything. That's not just about your spiritual need. That's about your physical, your emotional and your physical need. In every way, God wants you to have fullness. What was great on Thursday night was there was just an outbreak of joy in the room as people just encountered God. And Lynn's starting to laugh even now. And uh, it was just great. God just breaking in with fresh joy. When was the last time you felt real joy? When was the last time you could say that kind of joy just welled up from inside and burst out? When did you feel that kind of joy? I remember once a guy called Andy Davis prophesied over me and he, he put his hand on my stomach and said, there'll be a day coming, he said, when you will have a deep belly laugh. I'm still waiting. I haven't had it yet. I'm still waiting for that. We can have, and it comes from God. We can have that and it comes from God. We can have that deep joy and it's not based on what God's given us other than himself. Him alone is sufficient. Him alone being our sufficiency. This lie steals your worth, kills your dreams, and destroys life. And I believe today God wants to restore some dreams. He wants to... Because every time, I've heard this so many times, I'm in meetings here and other places I've been to, and people start talking about dreams. You know, it's time to dream again. Prophetic things about dreams. 
And I know what it's like to have my dreams killed. And I have to say, I struggle to hear that. I'm fighting for it in prayer. I'm fighting for it, saying, God, I want my dreams restored. I want those things you put in my heart all those years ago. I want those dreams. Breathe life into them again. Breathe fresh life on them. Give life to those dreams that, again, we can dream dreams. And when we buy into the lie of insignificance, we lose our dreams. Not enough. So what else combats the lie? What else will bring dreams to life? Well, your name's written in heaven, in the book of life. That's good news. It's there for eternity, can't be removed. There's no eraser in heaven. It's there forever. Your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. You have a God-intended purpose to live out, to find and to live out. It's different from what you think, probably. You don't have to worry about it. You just have to let God show you and live it out. Psalms 139.14, Esther 4.14, both say you are wonderfully and perfectly made for such a time as this. For such a time as this. So stop wishing you were somebody else or you were somewhere else. Stop wishing it. You were made for such a time as this. That includes the dog. Prophetic statement. We need to be like a dog with a bone. Get hold of this stuff. Get hold of these truths. Start applying them to our lives. Be like a dog with a bone. Don't let this go until you break free of feeling insignificant and inadequate. Get hold of it until you get your breakthrough and step into all that God's got for you. And you might not feel like you fit sometimes. Don't worry about that. Let God work that out. You just get on and do what God's called you to do. Just get on and do it. Don't hold back. Stop looking at others. Stop comparing. Stop measuring yourself against somebody else. Teenagers particularly, I just feel, don't measure yourself against somebody else. You're uniquely you who God's made you to be. Be that person. And don't be anybody else. And don't try to conform to this world and the patterns that they say, and the, the social media that says you've got to be this, and you've got to look like this, and you've got to do these things, and you've got to play these games, or you've got to buy this stuff. Conform yourself to the image of Christ. It's the only way to live out a life and be happy and fully content. Don't allow, if you haven't got, if you've not been caught even by the lie of insignificance, don't allow yourself to be. Because the world will, is very quick to tell you. So don't allow yourself to be. See, God used, in the Bible, lots of unnamed people as well as named people. We have some great stories. And kind of we elevate those people up. And it seems like the Bible has done to some degree. But there's lots of people in the Bible who are unnamed that did amazing things. And we don't know their names. We didn't need to. We just needed to know they did amazing things. Because we too can do amazing things. Both individually and together as a people. So be confident. 
God's using you and wants to use you. Even though you might think you're not being used right now, God wants to use you. God wants you for himself. I remember the day when God totally got me. And it was the day I wanted to run out and found myself running forward. I I was looking to the door and somehow I ended up on the front. That wasn't where I was heading. I had no intention of going down the front. God got me. And God got me for life. So if God came to give you life, and life to the full, full of his glory and his purpose, then why don't you go and get it? Can you just put the next slide up? I'm not going to go through all these. I haven't got time. But here's some truths from Scripture. This is from the Freedom in Christ course. If you've done it, I recommend you go back to it. And you look at some of these Scriptures. And let the truth of your significance get in your heart and your life. Let it get in there. I'll send these out to the groups in my notes. I'll get them out to groups this week so you can use them. Use them in groups. I've done some questions to help you as well. To break free and break into. But we're going to make opportunity for God. See, God keeps coming. And I don't want to miss out on opportunity to give God an opportunity to come again. Do you? Yes. So, can we have the band be helpful? Yeah, come on, Jenny. Got the mic. This is Jenny from uh, our Buxton Church. Very much part of uh, Church and Pink from the very first days, in fact. So uh, she's just got something to share. Uh, just when, even when Phil started at the very beginning, I knew God was going to make me say something. I didn't really want to. But um, as well as uh, feeling that you might not be enough, I think also there are some people um, that feel that they're too much. I think that this is often um, a female problem because you can also feel that you're both. That on certain certain situations, you're not enough. And in other situations, you're too much, whether too much emotionally, whether too much in, in whatever way. But I think it's a very, very big thing. And uh, it holds us back from what God wants us to be, what he knows we are. And um, so if that's your situation, get some prayer, get it sorted. And the other one, um, also, many people, I've felt it as well, so I know how strong it is, feel overlooked. You feel that you've been passed over. And it's a very, 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 very strong one. I was abroad for many years, hoping to see God establish um, a New Testament-style church. And the year that I left... And if I planted one in the same city that I lived in, and I was so upset, I was gutted, absolutely gutted, 12 years of my life, why didn't he do it while I was there? I don't know. But I know that the time that I spent there was not a waste. And I know that God sent me at that time because that was when I was supposed to be there. And I don't know all the info behind it. I don't need to know it. So if you do feel that you've been passed over... God hasn't passed you over. Your name is on the palm of his hand. Even if he wanted to, even if he was really busy, he couldn't forget you. So again, if that's an issue, please get prayer.
Great. Thanks, Jenny. <laughs> Brilliant. Let's just stand to sing, shall we? It's just come before God. Let's open our hearts to God. Let's just respond to him. Holy Spirit, just invite you now to come. Just come and minister to our hearts. Minister into our situations. Minister into our sense of not being enough or being too much or insignificance. God, I pray, would you come? Would you come? And where we've got hurt and pain, we're carrying from situations that have gone wrong, didn't work out how we thought, how we hoped. Would you come and meet us in those places right now, Holy Spirit? We just invite you right now to come. Spirit of God, come on. Just sing those on your heart. Just allow God to minister right now.